It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. It is Friday. Whatever that means. It means it's the day I'm going to go swimming. That's what matters. So today is my only podcast. So this works out pretty well. So it's going to be a special day with a special guest because I'm not going to go and do a podcast while I'm swimming. That's going to be later on when I do the swimming podcast. Um, I'm going to be the jerk in the pool with a phone and a headset and be like, okay, hey, hey, live from the pool. And all that shit. So that's probably not going to happen. But what is going to happen is I'm going to bring on my special guest right here. And right now I have Kara Payton. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Rusty. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for being on. It's good to have you here and good to be able to just go. This is a Yesterday I had four podcasts. Today I have one, so it's it's kind of uh, nice to be able to let my voice be able to recuperate a little bit. I <laughs> I don't. I think something that podcasters should do is go to some sort of vocal coach, like a, a singing coach or something, because I don't know. At least for myself, I feel like I've thrashed my voice. Uh, quite a bit doing doing this or yelling before in other other instances when I have a microphone but yeah I don't know I feel like there's probably a better way to work on that and that's something I'm not I'm not a singer type I could sing but uh you know then I'd have the the dogs as backup singers in the background and all that stuff once once my voice starts going but <laughs> Uh, you know, it makes it fun. And so, um, so where, where are you in the world ish? Ish. I'm in the Midwest ish. I'm in uh, Kansas city. Okay. All right. I was, uh, there a few, well, like six months ago, I was driving, I drove through there and got some barbecue (laughs) there because I had a friend who was from Kansas city and, uh, the, uh, the barbecue sauce is different than a lot of other places with their, uh, there's less of a ketchup barbecue sauce kind of taste with that. And that's something I enjoy. So yeah, um, we don't have, we don't have a lot to look at. So we give you good food, good beer and good coffee. That's about all we have to offer. I'm all right with that. Nothing, nothing wrong with that there. And so, um, so then you're also a podcaster. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to go through the questions that, that you've gotten a whole bunch of times, but so, uh, but I'm, I'm curious about this one. So you're the, the happiness habit, happiness habit podcast. Yes. Yes. Started in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, when the rise of depression, anxiety, all of that really started to reach a critical mass. And I took Essentially, it just started because I was in my house and thought, you know, 
with all of the years with Tony Robbins and touring the world and helping I know that there's something I could add to this space. And it started simple enough, just me recording things that I thought were pivotal for somebody going through maybe a self-inquiry process or what the hell's going on process or going through those emotional mental spirals that kind of get us in a lot of trouble with the way that we feel. And um, then here we are three years later, we've got some big names and top 10% rank. And it's, it, you know, it, it took off. It's one of those things that I started with little resistance and because it had little resistance to it, I was like, Oh, you know, I wasn't attached to the outcome. And then the outcome turned out quite, uh, quite exciting. So it was the, you don't really have anything to lose. You're just doing it just because it's something you're enjoying and there's nothing holding you back. So you can kind of do whatever you want. And then if that catches on, then it's just is game on because then, you know, you're at your, your peak performance right there, being able to literally do exactly what you want to do and not have to, um, you know, try to try to please somebody else. You know, when you're able to to do that for yourself, and right. so then, okay. Um, so were you doing something different before it, when the when the I mean, what was your direction when when COVID hit? Because um, I mean, so I was living in uh, in Minnesota at the time. I was up in near Minneapolis, and then I was down in like near the Iowa border after that, and nothing really changed very much. So there were some people that were staying in, but I was out and about quite a bit. So the roads were very clear which was great and everything was very empty and I, I really enjoyed that. But um, a lot of people had a lot of different ways that they experienced uh, the shutdown and everything. And For like sure. Iowa didn't shut down at all. <laughs> Iowa was business as usual, no masks, no shutdown, no nothing. And it was, it was interesting. And, um, and then like I would, fly to Portland, Oregon or something, and everything is the exact opposite. And so, you know, kind of got to see a little bit of each, but um, what, how did it go for you when 2020, March, 2020, what, what happened with you there? Well, Kansas city was definitely one that um, was full 100. It went, it went from at life is normal to life. It, we're in a Armageddon type thing. And I am not, I'm a heavy traveler. I am a very, very outdoorsy type person. I am not, <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur and an oldest child. So I'm not really used to being told what to do. Uh, <laughs> I was traveling from Kansas City to Denver to San Francisco to Salt Lake City with a photographer friend of mine. And we were traveling, you know, Devin and I were going to wineries and Napa Valley and uh, just, just traveling. And uh, lo and behold, you know, fast forward to, you know, in March, when we get back, I realized I had visit. I heard this coronavirus and I heard COVID and all of that just kind of as buzzwords, but in my mind, it's in a different country, you know, it's a sickness. I'm thinking, okay, cool. I, d I was too young to really understand what the swine flu was H1N1. I, it was just another 
thing, you know, and probably most of us had that mentality is okay, well, whatever. And yeah. it turns out I stayed in cities that were the hotspots at the time of when everything was really spreading at a vapid level level. And I get home and about 11 days later on the nose, I end up with it right away. You got it right off the bat. I got it right off the bat. And it, um, it just, it killed my voice. It didn't really do much of anything other than that. It was, you know, I, I just was like, okay, this thing and I'll deal with it and whatever. It was still no big deal. It was like a cold. And yeah. then the, I noticed that the programming and the fear and the narrative and what we were being told about it started to reach a critical mass. There was so much information that was still had a lot of holes in it. And we were filling in the gaps as our mind does. Our default program just goes straight to the worst case scenario. We know very little about it. So how can we manipulate the situation to be even more terrifying than a virus that we don't know anything about? And it's spreading worldwide, which of course then just takes everything that we already have a fear about and it turns it up to 100 and validates it. So I at first was very signed on to the, okay, guys, let's be very, you know, let's be very, we need, we just need more information about it. But until we have that, let's just stop what we're doing and see if we can get ahead of this thing. I was absolutely on board with the just you know, room, you know, stay away from each other, you know, let's, let's try to mitigate as much as we can. And then information started to come in that didn't necessarily match the others. And then this development happened. And now we know more about it, but then it disproves what we first knew about it, which to begin with, that's the nature of discovery. We discover, we, we know what we know and we do what we know until we know better. And then we do better. And so I, just kind of chalked a lot of these things up to, well, now we know more. Now that's not true. Okay. But the continued cycling of this contradictory information, I think started to really, really get a rise and frustrate people. And now we're not really sure what to do. And now it's still, it's still spreading. We're still seeing conflicting information. We're still clueless. It's still worrying people. It's still getting people sick. And now enter the first fatality. And then enter more fatal. And then now we have validated fear at level 100, conflicting information. We don't know a lot. We don't know who to look to, to get that information. And it just became an absolute nightmare. So in my industry, I was, I had volunteered for Tony Robbins for a lot of years, but it wasn't my main thing. My main thing, I was, been a, I was in the wedding industry for 20 years. And so weddings, as you know, in 2020, they were gone. There was nothing, there was no work yeah. to be had. Nobody wanted anything to do with a large event with people shoulder to shoulder. I had a few rebellious couples that were like, cast caution to the wind, we're going. We've, we've, we've set our date. I'm not, I'm not reordering yeah. a cake. We're <laughs> doing this. And, but they were, you know, my job essentially was, I was immediately fired. After 20 years in the industry, I was essentially unceremoniously discarded from my post with no end in sight and no, no hope, no information, no nothing about how long this would take to cycle through because we were only told two weeks and then it became, right. you know, now we're staring down the barrel of four months. Now we're staring down the barrel of eight months. And I just thought to myself, okay, I need to find something else to do. And while people were panicking in unemployment, 
in you know going and getting government assistance and seeking other work i had a very very important decision to make that i knew in my mind that i could file for unemployment throw in the towel give up on my business or i could rotate i could shift and i could bring in something else that i knew could be done online because that's where all of us were spending our time the podcast was born there. The online coaching was born there. Everything was born there. And I still was able to photograph the occasional rebellious couple that said, hell with it. If, if, if this is going to come for me, it's going to come for me. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to have a good story of how it happened. At least we're all here with every, with our loved ones. Yes, absolutely. And, um, so then what, what kind of headspace did that put you in when you were sort of faced with that, with the, I don't know what to do. Cause like I did the kind of the same thing. I mean, it really made a lot of gaps open up for a lot of people with so many people shutting down completely. Um, and then especially doing stuff online, like uh, my, my hypnosis. And then I started selling, reselling stuff and people were buying all kinds of shit, just like, just have money to sit at home and do nothing so I was just like it worked and I was you know I, there are people that are you know shut down or really were able to thrive and make something out of what happened and so I mean what what do you think you would have been doing differently if had that not have happened where would where would your life had uh, the actually, trajectory have gone I'm really grateful that it all happened, not, not the tragedies, not the right. polarization, not the, the way that it changed the way we relate to others, because I think we have, now we have a little bit of a, we're kind of snake bitten. We're snake bitten by the media. We're snake bitten by politics. We're snake bitten by the narratives and the messages and the virtue signals and the group think line in the sand type of, you know, now, now I have only the friends in my life that were an echo chamber to me in 2020. And now I only have the, you know, political ideologies of people that, you know, I'm, we're not really as innocent anymore. We're not really as easy to connect to anymore. There's a lot of a, there's a lot of holding people at arm's length anymore to kind of like, I'm going to wait to see what you believe. And then we can connect. And um, that part, I think, will correct over time. And I think it's done a good bit of that. We still have, I still think that there is such a massive crevasse to, to close, the gap to close between our political ideologies, because I still think that is such a, as such a, a hot button topic that really just needs to be, we found belonging in it. We found security in it. Because in such a fearful time, we were able to turn to people that think like us and for some backwards brain interpretation of comfort. And now that, you know, when something traumatic happens to you, you kind of just view something as a sharp edge. And during that time in our lives, I think that we just got so used to thinking that everything's a sharp edge that we we isolated and insulated ourselves from so much. And as we come back out into full-fledged, everything's, you know, normal again, I would say new normal, but you know, what, what is, what did normal look like to begin with? And we're still interpreting a lot of things as sharp edges that aren't really sharp anymore. And I think we'll eventually come out of that, but it's going to take some time collectively for us to move out of so much of the 
the bad habits we got into in that time. And so what essentially happened for me is I had the constant opportunity to choose again, to choose a new way of thinking, to choose my definitions of things, to choose my perception. And so many pregnant pauses were created by my ability to have so much time to myself thinking very, very deeply and intimately about what does work in my life? What do I want to keep doing going forward after this is over? And for a lot of us, we were doing all of that and we had no, no distraction points. We're in our four walls. We can't really go out into the world. There's no one out there in the world to distract us, to numb us, to help us support our stories to, I mean, we were just, and that's where a lot of people were trapped in their house. And it became when they didn't make conscious choices, it became trapped in hell. Essentially. I'm, I did not realize how much of my life is what most people are thinking. I didn't realize how much of my life was designed around distraction and numbing and avoidance of the, th I was RSVPing to things that were just busying me. I didn't want to show up to some of these things. I filled my calendar. I filled my my house. I was spending money on and investing in things that was just on a subscription because for whatever reason. And we had friendships that were not serving us. We had relationships that were not serving us. A lot of people ended up in their house with their partner and realized, I don't actually uh -oh. like you at all. <laughs> yeah. We are not compatible when I don't have anything else to focus on, except for how you think, process, feel, relate, et cetera, to me, there's nothing there. We had to get closer. We had to get real. We had to make some very, very uncomfortable, uncomfortable decisions. And unfortunately, that's where I think the, the mental health, the anxiety, and all of the emotional discord became so, it didn't grow. I would, I would argue, all day, every day with anyone that says it grew in 2020. I think it showed us more of what was already there and it amplified it. And it just took a magnifying glass to what we're already experiencing on a day-to-day -day basis. And so if 2020 hadn't happened, you know, I, I lost a brother to PTSD. Uh, it, I, I honestly credit so much of what the isolating and the trauma and everything did for him in 2020, but he ended his life in 2021 and it really was a launching pad of Kara, get off your ass and do what you know to do. You are impassioned by the idea of somebody creating the life that they love and knowing that they're not trapped to this default, to this habit, to this norm. And it really was a, it was the catalyst. It was the biggest launching pad into make a decision because, you know, as, as many of us know, we, send, we tend to allow ourselves this space of making a decision with both feet or making a decision with maybe one foot in, one foot out. The problem with that is making a decision with, without both feet is not a decision. It's indecision. You either make one or you don't. There's not a, I'm an, if, you're, if you're not making a decision, if you have one foot in, one foot out, what you're doing is you're just successfully gaslighting yourself that you have more time, more time to think, you need more information, you're not qualified, you're not ready, et cetera. So 2020 was a blessing, a blessing for me. I know it was, I know it was a blessing for everyone. It's just gonna take a lot of time for people to define it that way. 
but it was probably one of the best years of my life. I would not be here today in the life and the reality and the circumstances that I'm in right now, had that not gone any other way. And I think with so much self-reflection, if that was something that a lot of people were able to figure out during there, it's something that is not looked at very much in society. And without that self-reflection, I mean, you know, you can be trying to take care of all kinds of other shit and nothing's really going to happen until you look at yourself and see what you really need in the first place. And like, what do I need? What do I need to make? Okay, this thing. Nope. That sure fucking wasn't helping anything. Like, and then a lot of people had a lot of time on their hands. And, but a, a lot of people seem to spend a lot of time on social media, just grinding their gears. And like, that was 90% of their existence was just social media, which I think hurt a lot of like I once all that stuff started happening like I just was done I was I got off all that stuff and it was just a bunch of people that would just they're just sitting there all day just scrolling waiting for something new to come in and jump in and then that that was their outreach and it was trying to find stuff in other people and not taking that time to look within yourself and then I mean at the end of the day of scrolling through social media what do you come out with I mean you're just what do you learn what do you learn about yourself besides that you are you know spending time just doing that and I think I think that one really was huge with uh you know it it wasn't quite the right way to connect with people and I think there was a lot of connections that were were missed and but the, I mean there's good thing is you know there's podcasting or or you know the zoom calls kind of got more um accepted socially I mean before then it was kind of iffy like oh I don't want to do a video call like how how effective is that really between uh, seeing someone in real life and doing a zoom call and you know they find out that it was you know it was pretty effective and um it's not you know this is the exact same thing but it's you know a lot more than you know seeing what someone is typing uh as a status update Hmm. and you know and especially with all the you know so many people lying in the sand one echo chambers um or you know, information that was conflicting with their points of views. Like a lot of people just like, that was all they were focusing on. They focused all of their energy into that and just completely passing over, having that time to just look at yourself, look at your situation. You have this time and it's, it was hard. It was hard just to watch that go and just have, you know, watch so many people just get sucked into that. And and from and my perspective, can... watching that, you know, it's understandable. I at first definitely did not notice the boiling frog of my own tendency to watch my mind 
be programmed for me. And I think a lot of people did that. You know, I, I was, I was at first very naive in what was happening and did not know that there may have been people at the helm that had a directive and an agenda that could be very much benefited by all of this manufactured fear. And I, I was one of them. I absolutely at first did not realize that I, my mind and my focus and my thoughts were being carted away to produce some sort of end game product that cult, you know, narratively cultured the whole towards certain sort towards certain camps. You know, I'm going to put you in this camp and this camp, and I'm going to basically watch the division profit us all. And I got carted away until probably I want to say May or June. And I realized that there was some very, very important crossroads to create critical thought that I, that I had not taken. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know, not to the extent of some of us where it's like, I looked down and I had to torch in my hand, but I did look down and realize that I was throwing stones and I saw a stone in my hand. Um, metaphorically, of course, but it, uh, I didn't realize how I had been carried away. And so as with the background of coaching, with the background of nervous system, with the background of the subconscious mind and all of the reading that I had done, I started to ask myself a lot of questions about what this meant for me and then how I could intent intentionally choose to see someone else with that kind of grace and what eventually became me going into coaching full time was my ability to look at all of the humans and not see a person not separate of their behavior. I could see habits of thought. I could see patterns of belief. I could see emotional habits and where they've, where their needs are being met. Maybe something that's missing in their lives. I saw a walking demonstration of someone's thought life someone's behavioral habits and someone's emotional home and where they're getting all of this, where they're getting their needs met. What's probably the most, the top value for this person. And it was so interesting because it allowed me to number one, stop judging them, stop judging myself and stop judging them. But then also to create a space where I was truly empathetic of where they stood. And I, from that place, I was not divided from anyone. When I go into the judgment of like, oh my gosh, your ideology is so inferior to mine, it became this, well, with your experience and your beliefs and your identity and your habits and relationships and your model of the world, that's exactly where you should stand. If I had that model of the world, those relationships, that thought life, my experience with myself, I would probably stand exactly where you do today. And from there, we don't, we don't even have the bone to separate. There's not anything that goes, okay, I've judged, I've come, I've seen, I've conquered. You and I are not the same. I'm above, I'm morally superior, I'm whatever. And you don't, you don't have a separation. And in that separation, you have zero desire to tout yourself or stack yourself in some sense of moral vanity in any regard, in any way. I'm not posting inflammatory stuff on social media. I'm not 
finding myself wanting to keyboard warrior someone into a shame, shame hole for what they think. It's just like, wow, how interesting that there's 8.4 billion of us on the planet and we all think different. What a novel concept. <laughs> it became yeah. just like chill. And then from there, that piece grew in me. It's, it saved, it saved me so much time. And even this, even the scrolling bit, I understood because we had, we had found a way to fill the hole for all of the unhappiness that was going on, that dopamine kick. We were just, yeah. yes, it's, it's sad that we can just go like an addict straight to a phone and just, it, if you think about it, if you think of your phone, like some, like a, a drug needle or a, just a drug, something to inhale, something to drink, something to numb and take away. When you look at it like that, how many times a day we pick up our phone, how many times a day we, we engage with, how many times a day we get lost in it. We really start to see the addiction quality and the fact that there's nothing indirect about it. It's just the chemical that it's giving you is not something that we can tangibly see go into our bodies, but it's creating that in our mind. And having that discernment for my own life was not only helpful to me to not be completely sideswept into whatever tangent that the world presents, because the world knew anybody that knew where this was shifting and had any kind of insight or foresight about what was going to transpire knew that now our focus, our attention and our energy was now a commodity. It's a product and it's the highest price product in 2020 because we got nothing less left else to sell. And I knew that for me, I was either going to be a manufactured product used and abused by whatever was trying to sell to me. I was going to fall for all of it if I did not have the wherewithal to control my mind. And it all beside that number, that was the number one. The second thing it was able to, it granted me was the ability to understand where everyone else was coming from, acting that way, behaving that way, thinking that way, feeling that way. And when you do that, you just, there's something that just releases in you the tension and resistance to need to fit in, to need to label, to need to categorize the fear motivated desire to understand it by way of force just leaves you. So 2020 was, um, it was the best, one of the best years of my life, honestly. Me too. And I mean, it's, it's hard to say that and tell people that, you know, it was so, I mean, it just like that with everyone having so many different takes on how they interpret reality um, and that it's okay. And that somehow so many people thought that anyone with a different reality, different viewpoint, I'm right, you're wrong. There's no, there's no gray area. And yeah, you're either with me or against me. And that part was, was hard. And it was nice just kind of being just, outside of that looking looking at it objectively what's happening to so many people so many friendships so many relationships just shattered because there's yeah. there's no understanding and there's no just acceptance of 
this is what this is what's really happening and um we don't all have to think the same and 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 life there's you know there's checks and balances there's the yin and the yang and you have to have one to have the other and you, you know an echo chamber only does so much and you what can you learn from an echo chamber very little i mean you have to have yeah you have to have both sides you have to have a lot of sides and there's a lot of yeah in between a lot of gray and and any part's fine and it's just i wish that was something that that caught on more but that wasn't really in the plan of the grand scheme of everything that was happening I think it will, what? though. I think I it hope will. So. I think people are getting tired of feeling that way because our inner being does not think on that wavelength. It doesn't move like that. It's not, it, and it's when we move into those places, getting further and further from our inner being, that inner conflict feels terrible. It feels like you're lost, like the most lost of lost. And I think that's where a lot of us ended up as we got to a place of critical mass and realizing I am so tired of feeling this inner turmoil. But for a long time, it was so easy to blame that inner turmoil on the other political party, <laughs> the other religious party, the other sect of this and that and the other. It's so much easier. And then we've gotten some time now that the lockdown's over you know, life is basically normal. We only see the occasional mask and we're going, okay, I still have the inner turmoil. Ooh, I still have the inner turmoil. What is going on with me? And it will, it, there's not a, there's not a linear better or worse way to do things. There's just people that are going to do it on a different timeline. And so people that are coming out of that, okay, I don't have anybody else to blame. You know, the guy, that guy's not in the white house anymore that news you know situation has been resolved this family dynamic is still the same whatever the case that whatever we were blaming it on the gratification is not it's not supplying us anymore and we're going to we're going to we're going to come back from that accusation back from that accusation back from that and we're eventually going to trail the breadcrumbs all the way back down to something that was going on inside of us i think we'll all figure it out i really do there might be a few that just can't they've been too they've been too pained they've been too hurt they went through too much to have any ability to look within and really ask those critical thought questions but for the most part i think as a society we will all come back around to finding out that this was really a this was really an internal thing that occurred it was not external it translated external because internal suffering hurt people hurt people we've heard that saying before but that's because right. that inner turmoil has to express itself in other ways and so you don't have people that are absolutely miserable with their life treating everybody like gold it just doesn't it's not the way you act as if so as we get uncoiled and untethered from all of that that conflict what we're eventually going to see is as far as thinking differently and accepting others where they are there are very few things that are absolute moral truths. And it's usually what harms other people. It's usually around what is absolutely right, what is absolutely wrong are very few things. 
Very few things. There are moral things that keep us collectively woven as a society. Make sure we don't screw each other over. We don't steal each other. We don't murder each other. We don't rape each other. We don't, we don't cross our ability to live a full life. It's even in the American constitution, it's just life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. As long as we're not stepping on each other's toes to get there, and we're not harming each other, physically stopping each other from being able to have life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> I'm an American, I promise. Um, we, we need to stay in our own box, in our own world, in our own way, and let every, live and let live as long as it's not damaging you or anybody else on earth. There are, and that's why I think those small crosshairs, like what do we, what do we think about these really high ticket, hot button issues, the big ones, there's only so many. The rest of it, let it go. Let it go. What does a man marrying a man or a woman marrying a woman do to you? Right. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, there are other things, though, you could ask that same question, and it does do something to somebody else. It does do harm to someone else. And those are without division. Those are just morally wrong and we need to be able to ask ourselves the question there's right and wrong and then there's what's wise and usually wise pulls us back just a bit just the jordan peterson talks about this a lot he says there's things that are right things that are wrong those are pretty black and white but then there's also just because you can do it and it's not technically wrong what's wise for you to do what supports you what actually makes you a better human being and makes your soul grow and expand the way that aligns still with that core inner being, that inner intrinsic self. And a lot of the times it's a little bit more cautious, it's a little bit more pulled back. Just because I can drink every single day doesn't mean I, and it's not wrong. That's, that's a, that's an interpretation. I could drink every weekend. I could go, you know, just because I'm not married, I could go have, you know, promiscuous sex with a with a random people that there's there's a gray line on whether or not that harms someone okay there's a gray line I, I could technically get away with it what's right and wrong well you know I'm going to define that a certain way a way that you know helps me to you know continue to be a, maybe a trash bag human here <laughs> but what's wise what's good for me and what's good for others that usually pulls me back into a little bit more careful a little bit more loving a little bit more intrinsically timeless honoring place a, a way to live that honors myself and others and i think that we've got to really really get clear on what actually matters to us what divides people from us and who we're going to be and everything when you have that final when you have that final vision of who i'm going to be what do i want what do i actually believe and you just staple those down into the ground. It's that firm, it's that firm end of the line. This is my absolute tether point. Everything else becomes really kind of clear of what's the priority and what's not. And I mean, with, with that, there was so much of, you know, like when, when you're, in flight or flight mode, fight or flight mode too, and your adrenaline's running. I mean, those actions 
you know, you're making are not clear. Mm -hmm. And it's real easy to get, you know, and also being able to realize that, that what had happened is we had all kind of got into that uh, headspace and everything was, you know, everything was very touchy and seemed very personal, every, you know, step taking things personally. Whereas, you know, in the end, I mean, what we all want is, you know, the, you know, the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and then, you know, a better future for people that come after us. Mm -hmm. And as something that is more of a collective, and there's, you know, just like telling some people that, and it was, it was hard just to even get onto that same level of just like the, everyone wants this it's like but they don't think this it's okay there's we all want this like what well, let's focus on this to be able to move forward because just going in having us spinning our gears uh doing whatever trying to yeah blame blame this blame that blame someone and it just became completely unnecessary and throwing off the consciousness of what needed to move forward in a positive way and I think it's yeah I mean it's starting to get there and it's I think the hard part's going to be trying to uh, you know forgive and forget for some people I think that part can still be held on to yeah. pretty We're even seeing that right we're even seeing mm -hmm. that whereas it's it's being posted as funny memes and all that it's just like it's the braveheart one where it says when my democratic or republican family comes back to try and reconnect it's the braveheart picture it's never and it's, it's just like okay but don't blame that person for your choice now that is now your that is now your choice it's like leaving the household and still you're 30 years old you still want to blame your parents for your upbringing and how it's making your choices today i'm sorry but after the day that you leave your parents home your shit is your own and you now you you can you it doesn't have to be your fault fault and responsibility are very different things fault. It's not your fault. There's a lot of things that happen to us that is absolutely not our fault. We have every right to sit there and be butthurt about a million different things that happen to us. We have every right to be traumatized. We have every right to be, but is that prudent? Is it good? Is it wise? And then furthermore, is it, is it our responsibility? What we do with it from here? Absolutely. Your father traumatized you at 17. That's horrid. I'm sorry but it's your responsibility now. And we're, we're moving into a space where, you know, that blame game has gotten so big. Now we're blaming for people for our trauma. We're blaming mm -hmm. other people for our trauma. It's like, yes, they may be at fault, but you absolutely had the control of how you defined it. You absolutely have, had control of where you moved from, from that point on. That was your choice. That's your responsibility. Trauma informed is one of my 
it's one of my least favorite phrases. I think we need to get into a place where being trauma uninformed because we're allowing it to dictate us. Yes, consult with it. It happened. Your body processed something very, you know, I struggle to use the word, the language awful, something. If you stop defining it as awful, there is something that can come from that that would be so much more, so much more fruitful for you to dive into than just saying it's awful, shove it in a box. It was painful. It was terrible. I need to move from it. What can you extract from it? What can it teach you? What is it now? There's so many people that are speaking on stages that were human trafficked or somebody that was bitten to pieces and they're only a head and a body from a shark attack, but they're on a stage. They didn't give up. They're telling other people the way that you see this, the way that you talk about it, the way that determines what you believe about it and then what you'll do with it and who you become in the face of it. It's, it's very, it's, it's a personal empowerment and it's very uncomfortable to put on the pants of something that used to burn you. It's like we're intentionally touching the hot stove. And of course, our mind's going, get away, get away, get away. But if you, if you dared to lean forward, if you dared to decide to grow, if you dared to decide to, decide to expand large enough to contain that too, instead of trying to push it outside of you, And that's where the invitation to expand becomes when we take that trauma and go, can I make a space large enough in my soul to contain this too as a whole and into the integration of the good and the bad. And I think it's, it's a personal decision. And those who make those decisions also do not need our judgment. Those who move something wonderful out of it, absolutely praise them, encourage them, put light on the positive, grow it bigger. And the people that decide I don't have enough space for that. I can't. I'm going to contract. This is going to stay on the outside of me. I will never look at this as a positive thing. They just need our love. No, no, you don't get any better no matter what with any, anybody else's judgment on the situation. And I think that also with going back to the social media, dopamine, serotonin, being able to tell people that you've been through trauma but not addressing it inwardly or being able to find a better outlet for it. You're getting that little bit of dopamine and serotonin, the, the pat on the back. It's like, it's, it's okay. But everything that happens forward that relates to it still is going to be affecting you in a way where it's uncontrollable and you're going to be taking that in and you're not, really ready to you know like you're not yeah you're not able to find something that could be positive out of it that could help somebody else it just turns into this is something that has me stopped in my tracks and so yeah i think like the the you know the being able to give someone the love for that is important and then but not only give them the love but give them the motivation to go do something with this like take care of this for yourself get it fixed on the inside first but then empower yourself learn from it you know you got to keep on learning like school you know i have my thing about school and i don't know how how important school is but learning is fucking important and growing is important and moving forward is important uh evolving is important 
But yeah, I mean, there's so much to looking within that can change someone's life and realize something that's stopping you and something that you think may be stopping you, maybe something that's way bigger inside that happened to you a long time ago too with some sort of trauma. And that's something that I've seen a lot. And it's been like, well, I here's something that, okay. I, I have people, you know, clients that come to me for some sort of trauma and think that it's something that happened to them when they were 25, but then get them in hypnosis and this image scene pops in their head of something that happened to them when they were six years old that's been fucking with them forever and they had no clue what was going on and they're living in the fight or flight mode and not even knowing it through this whole time and not being able to make clear decisions but are unaware of that and so just being able to have that knowledge and just being able to yeah take it in and it's a fucking some horrible shit's happened to a lot of people and there's no denying that, but there's got to be some reason to make it better for yourself and hopefully for others. Yeah. I mean, more information is worth its weight in gold for anyone that maybe could experience it in the future or has experienced it already and is just holding on to it. There's... Yeah also the invitation of people that you know what they do with it is their own work but there's also when it becomes when it becomes so hand when it becomes such a handicap that not only you can't deal with it but you're standing in the middle of the road asking everyone else to walk around you so they don't touch it so they don't trigger you so they don't trip your wire so they don't, you know, affect you further. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm traumatized. That triggers me. You need to move around. You need to say something else. You need to call me by these pronouns. You need to do what you, you have to abide by my model of the rule and my rules of life in order to make me feel better. You need to change you so that I can function as I am unchanged. And I can't think of, I can hardly think of a more narcissistic or arrogant way to live. And that is where the trauma informed has been used by opportunists to facilitate an, an excuse not to change. And if you want to think about us, you know, you like to use visuals a lot because it helps people really start to think outside of their modality of, you know, just old group think or old ways, habits of thought. If you picture us all, you know, walking along a flat plane, just side by side, everybody on our, everybody in the world, 8.4 billion people walking a line together. And you picture people that we're all going to get fucked up. All of us are getting hit. It's the freaking what? What was that? The the I'll never remember that that crazy Korean show. That show that killed off a lot of what was that called? Oh my oh, god! Oh, the was Squid it, Game. The Squid Game. Okay, yes. yeah. We're all getting shot. Nobody's getting out of this game alive. Nobody <laughs> gets the million. You do not pass go. You do not collect two hundred dollars. We're all gonna get eviscerated. We're going to get heartbroken. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get betrayed. We're going to fall on our faces. Some of us are going to get physically injured. Some of us are getting mentally and emotionally injured. We're going to lose jobs. We're going to have massive disappointments. We're going to try something and fail. We're going to try something 10 times and fail. 
No one gets here out alive, literally. So if you can imagine all of us walking and somebody goes down, they get shot. Somebody else goes down and gets shot. Then you get shot. To stay in that trauma, to not heal it, and then to expect everybody else to just continue to walk around you and not touch you. You know, the 8.4 billion of us, we're going to intersect, we're going to cross, we're going to touch. To expect no one to touch that now because you got shot once. And yes, maybe it was a really bad wound. But you're expecting no one to come into your bubble, no one to come into your space, no one to say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, feel the wrong thing, live the wrong way, etc. How egotistical. Because the person next to you, you don't know this, but they actually got shot the same way, the same severity when they were three. But they made a decision on that spot four years later, a month later, two days later, to make a decision about it, to change the way they thought about it, to change the way they felt about it, which change the way they believed about it, change the way they behaved about it, change who they become from it. And so this whole excuse of like, I was traumatized so bad, the way that I processed it was so bad that I'm completely incapable of defining it another way. It's like, how sad for you. And but it, don't expect me to alter the way that I live, alter who I am, alter, you know, any, when I come into your space, you're responsible for you and the way that you feel. I am not responsible for your happiness, your comfort, your whatever. It's every man for himself. Can I absolutely know that you have been traumatized and love you there a hundred percent? Cause I know what that feels like. And when we start to move into instead of, well, how pathetic we're going to judge someone, we move into a place of, yeah, I got shot too. I know what that feels like. That sucks. What can we do to move your foot forward? What do you need to move forward? I'm not, I'm not going to love you from, you know, out of a place of pity and I'm not going to support you staying in your shit. If you want to stay in your shit, that's fine. I'm still moving. But I, if you want to move and you want to go and you want to redefine this, if you want to become another person and make a decision about this, absolutely, I will walk with you. But if you're not walking, I'm not just going to not walk. And no. that uh, the empathetic, the true empathy doesn't pity. It says, yes, me too. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, let's build each other up like let's both we can do this and like you people can get just yeah that hold other one back and it's kind of shitting on everybody else like you're saying who's experienced this as well but you know like like okay well you know it happened to, to yeah me as well and uh but here i am i'm you know i'm, I'm okay but it's and then it's like, no, no, please, like, this is nothing that I'm going to get past. And, and then, you know, like, anytime it happens, it's something that they have to process, they have to process, like, and go, like, oh, again, always being on edge, being just in flight or flight mode. When is somebody going to say this? Because it's going to happen. It's not, not everyone's just going to shut the fuck up for a little bit it's it's gonna be this is like you gotta deal with it and i mean hopefully 
you can find a way to do it where you're in the best place to better yourself. You're in some, you know, um, you know, happy, relaxed place to be able to process it and move forward and realize that it's a shitty fucking thing that happened, but look at what it can do for you. Look at what it, what it can, we can learn from it. Look what other people can learn from, from hearing your, your story. Nobody's going to learn anything from saying I'm triggered. If someone, you hear someone else say I'm triggered, what, what's another person going to hear and what are they going to learn? They're going to learn nothing about the situation. They're just going to go, Oh, well, okay. That doesn't help anyone. So, I mean, it's all about that building everyone else up and just saying this is all it says i'm done like there's nothing else this is this is me now and you know get that maybe pat on the back every so often but it's just yeah waiting for that little someone to say okay i'm sorry that happened and or else waiting for some waiting to just go off on somebody who it was who triggered them and putting them putting it on them when it gets what what you are experiencing is you and it's your reality and it doesn't have to be triggering it doesn't have to be overwhelming it can be something terrible and then you learn and you go and you move and you evolve 100 percent. yeah um so we didn't talk about uh, a lot of what about about what um, what what you do otherwise. When that's not, you know, this this is what I was going for. I mean, uh, it's we got to go into this reality of what we were talking about. And so, where are people going to find you? How can they how can they learn from you? Uh, where can they find your work? Well, there's there's three places. Um, my podcast is called the Happiness Habit Podcast, and I break down these types of things and concepts with uh, great leaders and speakers and very influential, impactful leaders in the industry. But then carepayton.com is where if anybody's any anywhere on their journey whatsoever, I've made something for people who are just starting that are somewhere in the middle that just are looking to level up. There's a daily practice that helps you, you know, wake up with energy aligned, move things out of your body that you don't necessarily know where they're stuck. You don't need to know where something's coming from in order to release it, in order to express it and release it. Um, I don't like necessarily the idea that you have to find out what was the exact point of trauma, when did it happen, who did it, et cetera, and like getting into the nitty gritty details. If you know that it's no longer serving you and it's still trapped there, release it my daily practice it's called the unshakable woman daily mornings and you're moving through an adoption of a new mindset a new emotional home and a new identity and it's it clears out old cash old stuck that old stuckness energy old stuckness mindsets old stuck and it moves you into the state of your next level um that's for people it's it's absolutely free and then I, I am a very intentional person with social media. What, what we just talked about, I am on, there's, there's me behind a physical phone on Instagram 
everything else is repurposed. My, my TikTok, my YouTube, everything, my Facebook, everything sources from Instagram. I just post it on there and then I have it swiped and posted everywhere else. So if you want to reach me, the physical per person behind the phone, that's, that's Kara Payton with an underscore. Uh, so side note, if you want to uh, find a way to repurpose stuff, especially YouTube videos, um, and they are set up to be in uh, like the, what do you know, like Instagram, uh, YouTube short kind of format. Same uh, thing. Opus.pro. You go and you just drop the link of your video up to two hours. And it spits out like within 10 minutes, like 10, 15 videos that are between 22 seconds to like two minutes um, with all the captions across the screen, just like how they like it. And it's, it's free. Uh, I just got turned on to it. So yeah, um, no, no sponsorship from them right now, but it's, <laughs> it's a game changer. It's been real nice uh, for that. And beautiful. Yeah. So Kara, thank you so much for being on. I really got to get to know you and got to uh, have a good time talking with you and enjoyed it very much. Awesome. Thank and, you so yeah. much for having me. Thank you yeah, so much. Hope you, you're welcome. Have a good, uh, have a great rest of your day. You know, a good, good, good rest of your day is not good. Have a great rest of your day. Let's do that. Yeah. Not, don't have a good day. Have a great day. Yeah. We'll go have a great nice day. day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you take care. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. That was Kara Payton. Uh, follow her where I said, uh, where I'm going to put in the show notes and where she said she is. You should be following her. Don't be a dummy. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. So you guys, thank you for listening on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. Eugene. Uh, sponsored by sockemup.org sponsored by hardcore comedy sponsored by hypnosis is great sponsored by stoner eats and i think that's it so thank you everyone for listening like share subscribe you can find this anywhere you listen to podcasts i can put it on youtube and rumble tv so get on that and get a hold of anyone i mean get a hold of anyone that's been on the show just like they're obviously cool and you're listening to the end so get go go follow them go go get a hold of them and just just do it just do it and that is the show man boom It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>